I want to share a thought with you this morning. We're going to call Testify to the Truth. Our theme for today is really living the believer's testimony or living in such a way that models what it looks like to uh, honor Christ. And so we'll be in uh, John chapter 1 if you'd like to turn there. It's the last gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is one of the disciples of Jesus. He's known to be the one who was most loved or the beloved of Christ. He's often closest to him. Uh, he's the one that uh, gave, Jesus gave the responsibility of his mother, mother's care over to. Um, he was been given the great honor of writing a gospel. Uh, so lots of things here we could say about John this morning, but we'll be in uh, his gospel, that first chapter, in just a minute. Um, but as we look at this thought here, I want to start with the word testify or testimony. When you think of that word, how would you, how would you go about defining it or what does it bring up in your mind? Testify or testimony? Witness. All right, yep. To witness. If you're going to testify, what are you doing? Tell the truth. Okay, something you've experienced. Anybody else? So you guys have been reading the dictionary, have you? I see. You always steal my thunder, right? What little rumble I have, you steal that. But that's good, all right? It means that we understand what we're talking about here. This word of testify or testimony, and you are... You are exactly on point there. But let's, uh, let's say it here a couple different ways and then we'll make some illustrations and head off into the text. So first of all, to testify is to make a public declaration. All right? And so it's something that's not private. It's not personal. It may be private and personal, but it doesn't just reside there. It's something that comes out and it's declared. So it doesn't matter who's listening. I'm going to state my testimony. Uh, and within this option as well, there's not a... Or within this context, there's not an option to be quiet. Right? When you're asked to testify or to share your testimony, when I'm asked to do so, then it's required that we, that we speak up or that we make it known. Uh, a furthering definition there is what was shared as well. It's, it's something, not just that I'm publicly declaring, but that I personally know. Or that I've personally experienced. Something that I have witnessed was the word that was shared here earlier. So if you've ever been a witness to a car accident... Have you ever? Maybe you stuck around to wait for the police officer to get there and you were going to share what you saw. Right? What you're doing, you're giving a testimony. You're testifying to what you know to be true. And you are one of the witnesses there within that scenario. Sometimes people are called into court. And when they're called into court, they're not asked to be quiet. Right? They're asked to testify or share your testimony. Bear witness to what you know to be true. And so they'll ask you to put your hand on a Bible and raise your right hand and declare something. What is it? I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. All right? So help me God. So the point of that is to make something known publicly. It's to declare something to be true that you personally know is true. So usually it's not something you have to be convinced of. Probably a scenario that's a little bit more close to home have you ever been a part of a group that got in trouble? Or maybe you knew something about somebody that they did something they should not have been doing and now it's come to light and somebody's going to ask you, what do you know about this situation? 
All right? Have you ever had to vouch for a friend? Have you ever covered for a brother and sister? I don't know anything about it. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, they weren't there at all. They didn't do that. I promise, right? I promise that's not true. So sometimes we are trying to be convinced to not give a testimony of something that we know to be true. Uh, because we don't want to get in trouble or we don't want to see our friend or brother or sister get in trouble. Uh, but the point here is just simply this. We declare it publicly. It has to be made known. And we're sharing what we know to be true. And we'll see it's no different today as we try to live this life as a Christian. Following the steps of Christ, and we're going to follow the example of John the Baptist, what you'll see here today is that it is really simple, but it is what we're called to do as well. Being people who publicly declare, testify to the truth. So John chapter 6, or John chapter 1 rather, is where we're going to go. And uh, here we're going to find a guy by the name of John the Baptist. So some things about John the Baptist. You remember he was born, what was it, six months before Jesus. They were cousins, though they had never met according to the scriptures. Uh, John was kind of odd. So he dressed in, do you remember? He wore like camel's clothing, right? Um, or the, being clothed with the skin of a camel. Uh, he ate odd foods. Uh, he was out in the middle of nowhere preaching repentance and people were being drawn to him. Uh, he was the front runner for Christ, right? He was the one to prepare the way. He's also the one who said, I'm going to baptize with water. And that's a significant point in that text. And we'll just highlight that briefly here this morning. Um, but as we come to John the Baptist here, we're going to see this. Testifying to the truth is not about testifying to a what. It's not just public information that we're trying to declare. It's a who. And so when John testifies to the truth, John 1 tells us the truth is Jesus himself. So let's look into this chapter here. We're going to really look at three lessons that we can learn from how John testified when he was asked some questions. So John 1 begins in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Right? Don't mix up the two. John the disciple is the one who's writing this. He's writing about John the baptizer. Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came only as a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's speaking of Christ. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but children born of God. And the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here we've got the testifier, who is John the Baptist, and we've got the one that he's going to be testifying about, who is Jesus. And we're going to go on throughout this text to look at his testimony. So our approach this morning would be this. If John the Baptist could come in this room and could stand here, what would be some questions that we would ask him? What are some things we would want to know? There would be a lot of different questions, I'm sure, and as he spoke, that would spur in us some other questions. But as it relates to testifying or giving a testimony about something, uh, our approach today is, hey, John, how would you testify? How would you go about declaring what you know to be personally true? And here's a few ways I think he would reply based on our text here this morning. 
Uh, so initially here, how do we testify? He's going to say, hey, when you're asked, always be ready to give an answer. When you're asked a question specifically here concerning Christ, always be ready to give an answer. So in the text here, what you're going to see, there's some Jewish leaders, and they had the idea that maybe John the Baptist is the Messiah. Uh, so they're going to send some religious leaders, Levites, priests, to go ask him some questions. They're going to ask him to give testimony. And then they're going to come back and give their testimony, their report. This is what we asked. This is what we found out to be true. And so in verse 19, it says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Now, if you go on to read there, there's five questions that John has asked as it relates to who are you and what are you doing? But the main thing we're really trying to highlight here is this verse 20. John did not fail to confess, but he confessed how? He confessed freely. So when he was asked, he was prepared to respond. When he was asked, he did not mix words. He just simply declared what he knew to be true. Uh, and really, that's a great statement to have said of you. Right? They did not fail to confess, but they confessed freely. And if we pause here for a minute and just ask the personal question, have you ever had a moment to witness where you failed to confess? Have you ever had that moment to share what was true and yet you kind of balked? You just walked away from it and we started playing the whole what-if game and it's not the right time. I can't do it now. I don't have time. They'll reject me. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. What if they ask questions I don't know the answers to? We've got all the excuses for why we didn't do it. We've probably had moments in our life where we've walked away from opportunities to share what was true. Or maybe we haven't confessed freely. Have you ever had someone ask you a question about your faith? Where you attend church? What do you believe? And before you answered, you kind of look around. Right? Who all is going to hear what I'm saying? You know, if somebody asks you this at the office, where's my boss? Or if you're talking to one friend and you've got other friends around, who's going to hear what I'm saying? You know, I was uh, at a basketball camp this week and uh, one of our coaches was going to talk to me and, and before he said what he said to me, he did one of these. Right? He just wanted to make sure that what he was sharing here was going to be private between us. He was concerned that somebody might overhear what he was saying. Okay? And so sometimes we act that way as it relates to sharing our testimony. But what John did here, notice, he didn't fail to confess. He spoke, nor did he uh, have to try to be careful about what he was saying. He just simply confessed freely. And so here's the questions. Question one, are you the Messiah? What's John say? Pretty simple. No. Are you Elijah? The text will go on to say no. Are you a prophet? John's going to say no. All right, then why do you do what you do? John would say because this is what I've been sent to do. Why do you baptize with water? Right, there was some sort of significance the religious leader put on the ability to baptize people with water. John didn't carry that same sentiment. John said simply, I baptize with water. There's one coming after me. That's the baptism you want. Right? He baptizes with the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I'm just preparing the way. I'm the front runner. I'm the one that Isaiah spoke about a few hundred years ago saying that a guy would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. That's who I am. Okay? My time has come. It's time for me to get out of the way because the Messiah is here. So as John was asked, I think we could sum up his answer pretty simply by saying, I'm not him. Right? Three little phrases we'll use today. And the first one is, I'm not him. When somebody asks you and I about Jesus Christ, when someone asks us about our faith, when someone asks us about our convictions or our beliefs, we need to be ready and prepared to respond to their question. And John does so here. He didn't fail to confess, but he confessed freely. Peter's going to say the same thing. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But notice then how. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And so we're called as well here according to Peter's letter to be prepared to give an answer, to be equipped to give an answer for anyone who asks us the question. That one of my primary roles as pastor is to be an equipper. Right? It's not my job to do your job. And it's not your job to do my job. I can't go and share your faith. I can't go and be your witness. I can't testify on your behalf uh, in your circle of influence. I just won't have those opportunities. But it's my job to help equip you. Right? It's our job to work together to ask and answer some of the hard questions of life so that when we are asked, we're prepared and we are ready to give an answer. And so that's what we do here week in and week out. We ask some hard questions and we give biblical answers. Right? You'll never find me standing here under my own authority trying to offer you some pen philosophy on how you should live your life as a Christian. Right? My only authority and what gives me courage and confidence to stand before you uh, is the Word of God. And so it's always about the authority of Scripture. And so we talked about why does Scripture have authority where does it come from, right? What makes it authoritative? Wasn't it just men who wrote it? What's the Bible say? Is there evidence for the significant things of the Bible? Is there evidence for the resurrection? Yeah, we've asked and answered those questions. And so we're ready to give an answer. We ask and answer the hard questions that are uh, working within society. Uh, things that are more uh, acceptable on uh, an unbelieving front rather than something that's not acceptable for those who believe. So simple things like abortion, we have an answer for that, right? Because the Bible has an answer for that. We have an answer for, um, you know, a, a guy has an affection for another guy and he would like to be with that guy in a way that is in a loving relationship. I'm not saying that you can't feel that way and that you that may be real for you, but we have an answer according to Scripture. Even though society says one thing, the Word of God says something different. Right? We have an answer for what marriage looks like. That's why we've amended things in our Constitution, right? Just to declare what's true. So when people ask us, we're not standing on our own opinion, but we stand on the Word of God. Is it always popular? No. Do we throw it in people's faces? No. How did Peter say to be ready to give an answer? With gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect so that when you speak, it fosters an environment where they want to continue a conversation. I don't believe what you believe, but I can respect your opinion. Okay? And so it's good for us 
uh, not just good, it's vital for us to know what we believe and why we believe it and what the Word of God says so we can give an answer for anyone who asks us a question concerning our faith. Lots of other questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? What's your answer for that? Now, I remember when I first came here, within a month of being here, I was sitting in this office with my Uncle David and this is one of the things he started to drill into me. I didn't get much time to sit under him as a, a mentor. But he said, son, you need to have an answer for these hard questions. There are going to be people who come to you and they're, they just want your blessing on them to live together and to practice everything that comes from that without solidifying that in a marriage relationship. What's your answer for that? What's your answer for why is there evil in the world? What's your answer for if there's a loving God, why is something bad happening to me? And so he just started drilling me with questions and I was like, uh, 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 uh. And so you start searching the text and you start asking the hard questions and you start trying to find answers. It doesn't mean that that will satisfy the question that's being asked of that person, at least satisfy the person. But we've got to have answers. We've got to be ready to answer. What about, is overspending a good decision? How do I steward my money? Is there really purpose to life? Is there life beyond the grave? Or is it when I'm dead, I'm done? Like, what does the Bible say about these things? I tell my students all the time, they'll say things like, well, I think and I believe and I feel. Great. I'm glad that you're thinking and that you're believing and that you're feeling, but that cannot be what you stand on. What does God say? That's your only footing. That's your only foundation. Everything else is susceptible to being um, manipulated or influenced to be changed. The Word of God is steadfast. It never changes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And so having an answer, being prepared. I believe John would tell us this morning, how do we testify? Whenever somebody asks you, make sure you're ready to give an answer. Make sure you're ready to give an answer. All right? Let's go secondly here. How then do we testify? How do we testify? Well, as you answer, share what you know to be true. All right? So we talked about testifying. One is make a public declaration. So speak up. And now we're talking about testifying to what you know to be true. That's that thing of, I have witnessed this car accident. I saw my brother doing something he shouldn't do. And I'm giving witness to that. I'm testifying. This is my testimony to what I know to be true. You know, when you're asked a question, especially as it relates to your faith, that you don't know the answer to, are you ever tempted to fake it? Are you ever tempted or do you feel pressured like I've got to come up with some kind of answer here? This person's asking me a question. I don't know what the answer is. And so I'm just going to throw something out there and hope that it sticks and hope that it's remotely true. Right? I hope that we don't do that. But there is a pressure sometimes to feel like I have to have every answer. So be prepared to answer. But know there's going to be some questions that you're going to be asked that you're just not prepared for. The same thing for me. But it doesn't mean that there's not a solid answer. So there are answers to questions. And we can't answer with confidence. We just have to search the scriptures. So don't be a smoke blower. You've probably talked with people who are that way. I was talking with a guy one day looking at buying a car. And it was um, making a noise when you turn the air conditioner on. Oh, that's no big deal. All right, and then he jumped from what it, well, it could be this. No, I bet it's, no, really, this is the problem. And I'm just like, you don't have a clue. 
you have no idea what you're talking about. You're just blowing smoke. You're trying to sell me a vehicle, right, that's broke. And then I'm going to end up mad at you because you sold me a lie and I bought it. I, I probably should be mad at me. And so we don't want to be like that. Smoke blowers who just throw something out hoping that it's true. If you don't know, be willing to admit it. I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. And I probably should know the answer to that. And so I'm going to go look that up. I'm going to talk with some other people. You talk to people. You look it up. We'll come back together and let's try to figure out what's the Bible say about this. That's good. Right? That's ironing, iron sharpening iron. That's you and I building each other or helping each other become equipped so that we're ready to give an answer, uh, especially as it relates to things that are according to our faith. And so here John's asked something again. And he gave this testimony. Here's my testimony. All I'm going to tell you is what I've seen. This is what I know to be true. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Why does that matter? Well, I told myself I didn't know him. Or I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. What's he doing? All he's doing is declaring what he knows to be true. So you may have a whole lot of questions about who this guy is. All I can tell you, if you go back to verse 6, John chapter 1, what it says is, is that God sent a man named John to bear witness to the light. And so here it says, the one who sent me, who sent John the Baptist? God sent him, right? The Father sent him, and the Father said, Listen, John, you're going to be baptizing people. That's what you're supposed to do. There's going to be one come to you, and you're going to baptize him. You're going to see the Spirit descend like a dove. That's him. He's the one. That's my son. That's the Messiah. And so John did that very thing. Baptized, boom, here comes this dove. He's like, this is him. And so you're asking me who I am. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you what I know to be true. Maybe I can't answer every question, but I can share with you things that I know to be true. Uh, so this is very important as it relates to you and I being prepared to give an answer. That we share things that we've experienced personally. Things that we know to be true. Things that we can honor God with. And so the one who sent him is God. And the one that he sent is the son. Now, the writer of this gospel does the very same thing, right? John, the disciple, different John, he's going to say the same thing. He's just going to say it towards the end of his writing. So this is John, the disciple. The man who, had, the man who saw it has given testimony. So this is concerning the death of Jesus Christ. He's concerning that no bones would be broken. This is concerning an Old Testament prophecy that the one that they crucified, his legs won't, there will be no broken bones. And so he's saying, I testify to this that this is true. The man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. And so there's compelling for the reason of sharing what he knew to be true. John 21 verse 24. Again, same guy. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And so all John the disciple was doing was writing things that he knew to be true. This was his experience and he's writing about it. Why? So that as people read and hear they might believe. And in believing they might be saved. And that's why he wrote. Right? It's not super complicated. It's not really 
difficult, it's very simple in its context, but it's often difficult for us to do. Uh, so in testifying to the truth, all you've got to do is share what you know to be true. Is it your job to convince people? Is it our job to convince people of the question that they ask? No, I can't convince people. You can't convince people either. We can work to persuade people, but the convincing is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we share what's true and then we get out of the way. That doesn't mean that people won't question you. They might still think that you're wrong and they're right. But that doesn't, our confidence doesn't rest in whether or not they believe it. My own confidence doesn't rest in whether or not I believe it. It rests in who Christ is and what we know to be true. Uh, so I think if we could summarize John's testimony up to this point, he would say this. Number one, he would say, I'm not him, but I've seen him. I'm not him means I'm answering your question. I've seen him means I have personal experience. So let me tell you what I know. Okay? I can't tell you what other people know, but I can share my story. This is what I know to be true. And so in what ways have you seen Christ work in your life? What's your story? What's your experience? What do you know to be true as it relates to Jesus? Like what would you say to somebody? You say, man, it'd be a whole lot easier if he was walking this planet and a dove came down and I could just point people. Just go over there and talk to that man. He'll answer every question you can ask. Right? He's the satisfier of every need that you possibly could have. Just go talk to him. He's the guy. But he's, he's ascended. He sent the Spirit. So what are some things? How do you and I answer? What's our, our experience with what we know and what the Bible declares to be true? Have you experienced forgiveness? You know, along with forgiveness comes that freedom. It's my guilt is gone. You know, I went to bed a lot of nights guilty. And it wasn't until I confessed my sin that I, my guilt was gone. Right? It's not something that I could just take out of me. It's something that was literally removed. It no longer existed. Do you have a story of transformation? We read about Paul this morning. You know, Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you have a story that says, I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm not who I once was either? Is there some transformation that's taken place there that you know is the work of the Spirit? Right? This is who I was. Hostile, rebellious, angry, know-it-all, independent, uh, lacking sympathy or compassion, selfish. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Now, those things are still in progress of change, but I'm not who I was. I'm not who I'm going to be either, but I'm not the man that I once was. That's all owing to the transformative work of the Spirit in my life. What about do you see fruit of the Spirit coming out? When you have an opportunity to be an impatient person and you're patient, and you have an opportunity to be angry, frustrated, annoyed at other people, and yet there's joy. When you have an opportunity to be tempted or to indulge in something and you practice self-control, right? These are works from the Spirit, is what Galatians 5 tells us. And so that's evidence. Those are things that I can lean on. So when somebody asks you a question, 
be ready to give an answer, but answer with what you know to be true. Right? Don't just throw out spiritual jargon. Right? We've got a lot of coffee mug cliches that we throw around. We got a lot of those. All right, you ready? We got a lot of those punny t-shirts. That's pretty punny, isn't it? Right? We do. I mean, we cliche things to death. And we piggyback on culture in all sorts of ways. Right? With Christian jargon. Just share your story. This is what I know to be true. This may not be your experience, but you're asking me who Jesus is and who I believe him to be, who I know him to be. This is what he's done for me. Let me share that with you. I'm not him, but I have seen him. I think those are two ways that John would answer questions that we might ask. How do we testify? And then the third and last question here this morning, uh, or the third way he might respond to our question, how do we testify? He might say, always look for opportunities. Always look for opportunities to point people to Christ. Always be aware of a moment to share something about Christ. And so I asked you earlier, what does the word testify or testimony mean? When do you usually use the word testify or testimony? Where is that normal? Where is that kind of common? Where is that comfortable? Like for me, I always think of a church service. If I pass you down the aisle of Walmart, am I going to say to you, hey, testify? You'd probably do like this. What do you mean testify? Come on, give me some testimony. You're like, what are you talking about? But inside the walls of a church, it's like normal, natural. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Like it's so common for us to feel like this is where it takes place. You're at a conference or at a camp. Where's John the Baptist? He's not in the temple. It doesn't seem to be a Sabbath day. Uh, so I think he's going to share with us here that the opportunity is everywhere. Right? Testifying or giving a testimony, bearing witness, is all day, every day. Since the next day John was there again, this is on the other side of the Jordan River in Bethany is what John 1 tells us. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Okay? And so John's just sitting somewhere in the city, not a church service. No one asked him, hey, share a testimony or let's testify here for a little while. Anybody got a good word to say about the Lord? Has God been good to you? Can you give me a, one reason out of 10,000 reasons to give thanks? Doesn't that sound like a pastor on a Sunday morning? Right? Well, John's sitting out here in the middle of of this city just talking with two disciples when Jesus comes walking by. What does John do? There he is. And you go follow him. I'm not him. I've seen him. And there he is. And so these disciples do that very thing. They take off and follow him and two are going to turn into four and four are going to be multiplied into 12. 12 are going to turn to 72. 72 to 120. And the numbers just keep growing and growing and growing. Millions of people who are followers of Christ. Because somebody said, there he is. He's the one that you should be following. He's the answer 
to your question. He's the satisfier of the desires of your heart. He's the greatest prize, reward, delight that you could ever know. You want to talk about a father? Let me introduce you to my heavenly father. There's none like him. And so here again we might say, man, it would be so much easier if Jesus was just walking by. If I could just say to my family member, there he is. That's him. He's the one. And yet he still passes by every moment of every day. He's passing by right now. This is a moment. This is an opportunity for you and I to point people to Christ. To say, I'm not him, but this has been my experience. And there he is. He's the one that you're searching for. He's the one that your soul is longing for. And listen, you don't have to be in an organized service. It doesn't have to be planned on a schedule that this is what it's going to be about. These moments work their way into all sorts of conversations. Have you had a conversation with somebody that started out about baseball or work or the weather or family or a car and it started navigating its way to things that were a little bit more serious? You had those? It's like, oh, there he is. He is right here in the midst of this conversation waiting for me to say something. He's right there. Now this past week, Lily went with her team to a, a basketball camp. We were just talking about that this morning. You know, she's got this broken leg and she's walking in this boot. <clears throat> well, there was a girl that came in there as well and she has the boot on, but she's on crutches. So she's a little bit further behind. Uh, probably a later break. And Lily said, man, Dad, I felt this like, go talk to her. And she said, I just didn't know what to say. And so Wednesday, I kept thinking just over and over in my mind, just go talk to her, talk to her. And I was just like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. And so she said, well, if she comes in on Thursday, I'm going to go talk to her. And in her mind, she was what? She was hoping she didn't come on Thursday. And so sure enough, here comes this girl walking in, and she's just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And like with tears in her eyes this morning, she said, Dad, I missed my opportunity. I knew it. There was this prodding in me, just go talk to her. I just didn't know what to say. And really, that was just my excuse. And I said, okay, Lil, that happens to all of us every day. What's your takeaway? She said, my takeaway is, I don't want that to ever happen again. I don't ever want to feel prodded by God's Spirit and have a reason why I can't go do what he's opening up for me to do. Because he is right there. There he is. And so as not only a dad or a pastor, I'm trying to be her equipper. And so I said, hey, you know what? Just go ask her. Tell me your story. What happened? I said, if somebody asked you, how did you break your leg, would you say, oh, I don't want to tell you that? No, you'd start just immediately, even a complete stranger, you would tell them your story. People you know better, you might tell more details and all that, but when somebody just asks you, it shows they care. That's all you got to do. Hey, tell me, what happened? What's your name? And you'll find you've got some things in common. Uh, and man, right in the middle of that would be this God conversation. You know, I shared with you before, I can remember very vividly being in a Walmart in West Plains, Missouri, standing behind two teenage girls who were buying some gum. And they were having this conversation about relationships. 
uh, in ways that were just not good whatsoever. And they kept looking back at me, almost like they were trying to include me in the conversation. Not like, are you eavesdropping? But just kind of like they were turning, like looking for somebody to say something. The cashier wasn't saying boo. And I felt like, man, you got to just say something. Just say one thing here. And I couldn't utter a word. And so I told Lily that. I said, I've had that same moment and I've had the same decision from that moment. When God prods my heart an opportunity opens, I just want to speak. It's him. There he is. I don't have to convince people. I don't have to change their heart. I just have to confess freely. Speak to what I know to be true. Look for that opportunity and then just ask God in that moment to take what was shared and to address the need of that person's heart. See, I've got to be aware. I've got to be looking. I've got to be ready to share. But where were John's eyes? Now, Jesus could have very easily walked by and John not have noticed him. Right? The Lamb of God who, who takes away the sins of the world could have walked by and John just so wrapped up in his own life he just wasn't paying attention. No, when Christ came by, when the moment presented itself... He said, there he is. So we've got to look for opportunities. You know what else we've got to be doing? And listen, I'm speaking, this is probably more for me than anybody here today. We've got to ask God to help put us around people who need his son. And if this is in part about pointing people to Christ, we've got to be with people who don't know Christ. And I've got all sorts of hobbies. I've got all sorts of commitments that just absorb my life that in my conscience try to justify why sometimes I don't have time or I don't have the ability to do what I'm put on this planet to do. And so I've been praying, God, open up opportunities for me. Help me to be around people who need you so I can point them to you. They don't need me. They need the same thing within them that I have within me. My satisfier, my joy, my delight, my forgiver, my hope, my peace, my comfort, my boldness. Uh, that song we sing, you know, he is, he's my all in all. Wouldn't you love to just sit down and have conversations with people from the Bible? People who've gone before you. Wouldn't you like to know more of your family heritage? You know, who are the people in the 1600s, 1500s? How am I connected? What did they know of God? What did they believe? How did they live? Uh, and so I think today if John could walk in and we could just sit and talk, we would ask him some questions and these are some things that he would say. In my terms, he would say, I'm not him. He'd be ready to give an answer. He would say, I've seen him, which means he's going to share his personal experience, what he knows to be true. But then he would also say, there he is. He's still saving people. He's still changing people's lives. It's the power of the gospel and a collision with the Spirit of God that continues to draw people and change people. So be ready to answer. Share your experience. And then look for opportunities. Right? As we try to testify to the truth. So I'll tell you like John the Baptist. I'm not him. All right? If you're looking for Jesus. I'm not him. What he says is. If you look for me sincerely. You'll find me. And what you'll find in me. Is the. The, the answer to what your soul needs. 
Everything else is like a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. Cram it as you will. It just won't work. But he is the satisfier. Listen, if you've not received Christ, you don't really know him as your Savior, I'd love to talk with you more. There are other people in this room who'd love to talk with you. If you've got questions, ask. Just like these religious leaders asked John the Baptist, ask questions. Why do you believe in Jesus? I mean, if he's real, I want to know that. If he's really changed your life, tell me how. If this isn't just some religious club, just like any other club that meets in communities, what, if what sets this apart is real and true and alive, help me to know that to be true. Ask questions. Be willing to seek. We'd love to talk with you. Share what we know to be true. Doesn't mean we know every answer. And maybe you're here today and you do know him. Maybe your prayer is just simply, God, prepare me. You've got classmates. You've got friends. You've got coworkers. You've got neighbors. You've got family members. We have strangers that we come into contact with each and every day. Prepare me to answer. Help me to dig in your word. Help me to ask hard questions. Remove my doubt. I don't want to have a facade of faith. I want it to be living and active, real. And it is. There's answers for those questions. There's evidence for the answers. I want to encourage you to think about some God moments in your life. When God has met you, where you could say to somebody, this is my testimony, right? This is my story. This is my song. Share how you've received that blessed assurance. Share how you've come to be at rest. Share how you found mission. Meditate on these things and be ready to give an answer. And then maybe it's just, God, help me. Help me see people around me. Help me see the opportunity. And then give me wisdom in that opportunity. I don't want a lifetime of passed by moments. I don't want my list when I come before God and God says, I gave you this opportunity. Uh, yeah, God, I just didn't have time. Or it was going to cost me too much. Or I was in such a hurry. Or I had other priorities. I don't want to have to answer for missed moments. So when it's open, even if you flub it, mess it up. Maybe your resolve today is, God, help me not pass by any moment, any open door that you open for me. Help me to care and love people the way you do. Help me see the opportunities around me.